High Level Podcast. Kevin A.C., Padres beat writer for the Union Tribune. Jay Posner, sports editor of the Union Tribune, joins me. If you're watching this live, he's on my right, probably your left. I don't know. Jay, this Kevin, is Kevin, I'm ready. I'm ready, Kevin. I got my, I'm dressed. I got my credential. Oh. The gate's open in a couple hours for the media. I'm, oh, I'm, this is I'm so ready. Sad. What, what, time are you, what time are you getting there? I mean, I, I, I had this thought. I mean, Bob Melvin brought in Josh Hader, and he, and he got out Bryce Harper, and the Padres won, and we're all going to Petco today, right? Oh, hey. Uh, we'll talk about it. That's what we're convening for here, folks, today. Jay, the soon-to-be-retiring Jay Posner, expected, along with a lot of other people, when the Padres left here on Wednesday night, that, that we would all be back at Petco on Monday, like at the worst, because the Padres just needed to win one game in Philadelphia to get to what would have been game six today. Well, this is the cruelty of the postseason. Joy, joy, crushed. That's the cruelty. Whoa, great season, guys. Now we're going to pick apart everything that you did wrong over the course of three days because there's no getting around. And by the way, we will also convene here later in the week. Uh, AJ Preller expected to have a press conference. There's lots to talk about for the postseason. So we'll do another hot lava. That will probably be our last one for a while. Our last one together, Jay. But today it's about the National League Championship Series. What went wrong jay where do you want to start gosh i don't know I, i'll start by the fact that i went on i went on this show and another show on friday and i said the one thing i expect is that we'll all be at petco on monday because i can't see anybody getting a sweep this weekend and it's it's still kind of hard to believe i mean this is not the padres should not have lost <clears throat> three straight games to the phillies you know when when ranger suarez and bailey falter started two of those games uh and the padres yeah they you know joe musgrove obviously started one and clevenger started the other i don't know I, I mean we could start with we could start with friday if you want to just go in order you know friday night i mean padres they didn't do anything against ranger suarez which is pretty similar to what happened in the regular season game here and maybe we should have taken lessons from that but it was mostly a new lineup uh it was a guy that the you know he, he had his moments this year and i think you summed it up at one point i don't remember in what <laughs> format because you wrote so much and and everything but i think you said the padres kept waiting to see the ranger suarez that was that was in the atlanta series the guy that was wild so they kept taking all these pitches they took three called third strikes in the first inning i mean that was that was kind of a bad sign right there and it was pretty typical of this team really during the year it took so many called third strikes. I think more than anyone in baseball or just about. It was um, up there. By the end, it, it was like third or fourth. But yeah. Yeah. So, so much, so much of that. And and I, I thought that, you know, that was uh, that was not a good start. And, you know, Musgrove was okay. He said he didn't feel all that great and understandable. It's late in the season and guys aren't always at their best. And he gutted through and everything. But, uh, you know, the Padres weren't able to get anything done against Suarez and, and obviously not much against the bullpen either. And that was really just sort of like your – one of your typical games. We're going to break down some things in games uh, four and five. But, yeah, that game three was just uh, the Padres reverting to being the Padres. They yeah. uh, have trouble. If there's if it's a sinker ball pitcher and he's on, and Ranger Suarez was, they have trouble. And, and I think that that's something that is back here in the, in the back of my notes, the many notes about uh, <laughs> in this one certain page about what mm-hmm. to look at in the offseason, be prepared for, uh, for spring training, is – Kind of what is the problem when I get it? it? Look, very few people have as much respect for how difficult what these guys do, like it, more than me. But why? Why was Ranger Suarez so effective against them twice? Um, right. You know, okay, so he wasn't wild, but like 
He's hittable. Look, we're going to go over a lot of things that happened. We're going to question Bob Melvin here in the coming 15 minutes or so. But the Padres hit 202 in this series. Manny Machado and Juan Soto were not good enough for premier players in this series. Look at the Phillies. Um, and and, and yeah. you wonder what I'm talking about. Trent Grisham was 0 for 19. I believe they changed that sacrifice um, to a to a um, out yesterday. They did. They did. Sacrifice. So he's yeah. over 19 with nine Ks after, okay. After putting the 184 season supposedly behind him, he looked exactly like that guy. In well, the and Austin, Austin Nola was one for 19 and, yes. and it makes you wonder, you know, they had three catchers on the roster. Two of them never played. So what was the point of carrying three catchers? If you weren't going to use one of them, maybe Austin Nola, could have used a break at some point. Maybe it would have, maybe Friday night was that night, or maybe it was Saturday night, whatever. I guess maybe Saturday night, but whatever it was, maybe he could have used a little bit of a break, you know, and, and we'll get into this as we get to the other games. So I, I won't bring it up now, but that those two guys were, were one for 38, I think it was in the series. The bottom of the order was five for 54, if I added it up correctly and remembering it correctly 54 or 55 i think it was 5 for 54 uh in the in the philly series after going 10 out of 25 against the uh, mets and 12 out of 39 against the dodgers and of course you look you weren't going to expect them to hit 350 in this series but hitting 093 i, I don't think you're going to expect when uh, you're two and three guys are not being premier players and look like that happens right and and you yeah. you preach balance and all this and you know Jake Cronenworth had a couple bad games uh his you know his best series was obviously the Dodgers series he was didn't uh, wasn't there for the you know uh I shouldn't say that um he he didn't perform well in the Mets series and he was okay in this one but you 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 needed somebody or some segment if the yeah. rest of the team was not going to do what it did Jerks of Profar had a nice postseason and was was serviceable in uh the the championship series uh but that that one game there that game was when the Padres reverted they they were no longer postseason Padres you know yeah I mean that was just that was just the Padres and it's and there's not much to be really critical of in that game other than you know they just weren't good enough I guess in that in that game and Musgrove wasn't quite on and and you know you mentioned they hit 202 I mean which I'm, I'm looking at the box score from yesterday. Those are really only the, the guys who played um, all postseason. Machado hit 271 during the postseason uh, looking at this box score. They didn't have a single player above 250 other than um, other than Machado. Profar was at 250. Josh Bell wound up at 250. Everybody else was below 250. And, and look, offense is down across baseball. Yes. This I saw a stat yesterday from the great Sarah Langs that talked about this is the lowest offense that we've ever seen in a postseason. They're on track for the, you know, I think teams are hitting right around 202 or 212 or something like that, pretty much where the Padres were. But if you're going to win, you need to be above that. And you need to, you can't just be average. You need the two kinds of big hits, the bombs, and you need to hit with runners in scoring position yeah. and then on base. Just to make sure I've got it right, I will look. And the Padres hit 214 with runners in scoring position. The Phillies hit 250. The Padres hit 226 with men on base. The Phillies hit 276. And Manny Machado, time and again, his overall numbers in the postseason were okay with men's men on base. But there were giant, giant times where he failed. Uh, he tried to do too much. You know, yesterday I think he looked at uh, three pitches, and they were good pitches, but or two of them were, and and uh, you know, but your Manny Machado, look, 
I think he had an MVP-worthy season. I can't reveal what my MVP vote was, but I will tell you that he had an MVP-worthy season. That doesn't change the fact neither one of these things changes the other. He wasn't good enough in the postseason. He just wasn't, and Juan Soto yeah. certainly was not. Uh, though, you know, I, I think there's something to be said that if the Padres are still playing today, Juan Soto probably hits another bomb. I don't know. Yeah. Because they're yeah. not. So I know. I know. Want to move on to, to want to move on yeah. to Game Five. Or game move four. on to game five and and I or game four the uh, the Saturday the Saturday game and and obviously start with the starting pitcher I I didn't have a big problem throwing Mike Clevenger in that game I I got a text from someone that said and someone who knows baseball I mean he's been in baseball and stuff and he said why not start Nick Martinez have him go three innings you're probably going to waste him at some point during the game anyway. Why not do it at the beginning? I guess my feeling was Clevenger had pitched well in that game against the White Sox, and he still has a track record. Maybe not with the, maybe not so much with the Padres, but he has a track record. He pitched well in that game. He didn't pitch well against the Dodgers, but I mean the Dodgers beat him up all year long. It seemed to me like it wasn't a bad decision to get him out there, and I, I think they were really only looking. I think you said at the time for maybe three innings out of him, get through the order once, you know, maybe if you're lucky, you can get through a second time. But I didn't, I, I can't be critical of starting Clevenger in that game. I just thought that it was, it wasn't a bad decision. There's enough of a record there to do it. Where, where were you, you know, where were you on that? I had absolutely no problem with it. I mean, in hindsight, sure, Nick Martinez. Well, I don't know when you got the, the the text. And certainly all of these suggestions in the postseason, everything should be on the table. And it felt like sometimes, even if everything was on the table for the Padres, they didn't pick it up off the table uh, maybe enough. So, uh, you know, absolutely, I got no problem with that suggestion. And, but I, and they were good. I think that Clevenger was the right way to go. You're, you're, you're using Nick Martinez a lot. He pitched in seven of their first 10 games. Um, and... You know, so uh, and you could not possibly fathom that that was going to happen. I mean, you have to consider it. But yeah. listen, Bob Melvin said he was lucky Nick Martinez was down in the in the bullpen. Oh, that he, he was even, only yeah. down in the bullpen because it's the postseason. Yeah. He's not in the bullpen in the first inning, uh, but, you know, was down there. Didn't yeah. have enough time to get ready. If you notice, his velocity was down in the first inning. He warmed up later. Um, the idea and I have to say this, like. I think there's two things that we do and generally, you know, fans do is we assume that every move we suggest will work. Okay. Um, And we think that players just magically regenerate like, uh, like uh, a video game. And that's just not the case. And Nick Martinez was not going to go more than three. Bob Melvin wanted to take him out after two. And Nick Martinez talked himself into a third inning. He damn well was not going to throw more than 43 pitches. It was the most pitches he'd thrown in four months. Um, But a lot of people were talking about, you know, I don't want to give too much credence, just but people were saying he should have been in more. That's not the case. I think what we're going to zero in on is the usage of Sean Manaya. Well, and I also think the idea of Clevenger at some point in that, and that was the game. At some point in this series, they were going to need the yes. guys on the. They're going to need the guys that they had on the staff that were on the staff for this series. Yes, Clevenger, Manaya, and Morahone. You're going to need at least two of those three guys. Yes, to pitch in, in this game, and that, and and so if you're going to have to start, if you're, if you're going to need those guys, I'd rather have Clevenger at the start, where he's used to coming in, being the guy that gets ready and all that stuff. It didn't work out. Nick Martinez came in. He stabilized it again. At that at that point, Martinez has to come out. You're not gonna you're not gonna kill the guy there. He he threw his 43 pitches or whatever it was, got them through the innings. Now you've got to go to Manaya. 
or Morahone, really. And Morahone, who gave up four runs without yeah. getting an out against the Mets and was completely overwhelmed doing overwhelmed. it. Now, none of us can speak to, he obviously pitched well in the inning that he had to cover, um, how they assessed that he recovered from that. But let's just keep that in mind. This wasn't, yeah. you know, go ahead. Well, no, so I was just going to say, so now you go, and I'm just I'm just getting the play-by-play to make sure I get it right. So now you go to you go to Manaya and he gives up a double, gets a strikeout and then he gets the the single where Profar makes a great play to to throw out the runner. So that saves him that saves him right there and then Segura hits a line drive that Cronenworth makes another good play on. So you're out of the inning and and then you get lucky because the Phillies go to Brad Hand like the only guy that you would, the, like the first guy you would choose off the Philly staff to be in the game, other than maybe Falter, who had already been in there, is Brad Hand, and he comes in, and and Soto hits a two-run homer off him. So now you've now you're into the fifth, and I'm thinking, okay, fair enough. You go to Manaya here because you've got the bottom of the order with Marsh, and then you've got Schwarber as a lefty. He strikes out the first guy, he walks Schwarber. At that point, I'm done with Manaya. That's where he's he's given me what I can what he's what he can give me, and I can't have him pitching to Hoskins and Real Muto in that situation. And I think I was I even texted you at the time or someone at the time, and I could barely get the text out that said, "I don't know, having Manaya pitch to two three guys right here, in, meaning in the order, is a bit scary." And sure enough. Hoskins, you know, drills a home run. And it just seemed like that was a moment. And Bob Melvin did this all year. We talked about it all year. He had his reasons. Sometimes it worked out. Sometimes it didn't. He was, it seemed like to me more times than not, he was late and late in getting guys out. And this was a perfect chance. You, there's got to be somebody, and I don't know, was it Pierce Johnson maybe at that there, point? Or Gar- I, I, he went to well, Garcia, there's lots I of things because you needed lots of a things, win. But, you need to win this game, yes. and you and Manaya had given you what he could give you. He can't be pitching to those right-handed hitters there. Not not the Sean Manaya that that we saw most of the year in not ballpark against that lineup. That was a that was a bad decision right there. So the first thing I'll say is I don't think that he stuck with guys too long in the post in the regular season more. And it didn't work out more. I think it worked out more than it did. I think there are plenty of times that people were questioning him yeah. and it ended up working out. And guess what? They're, they won games and their bullpen was fresh. And it's so true. God bless so, them. So now in the postseason, fresh, where you all of it out. In yeah. the postseason, all of it out. You're in the fifth inning. You have all these guys to pitch, and you need this win, right? You're not thinking to yourself, if I use Hader here, he can't pitch tomorrow. If I use – that's out the window. There was yeah. absolutely um, this whole plethora of guys that could have been used in the fifth because I take Manaya out before the fifth, right? That's, okay. uh, I, that's what I do. Having seen the fourth, knowing that you just got the lead, and if the, if the Phillies – Jay, I am – 98.27% with you on there's no such thing as momentum, except for in a situation like that in the postseason with the Phillies believing in themselves, their crowd behind them. If they take a lead there after the Padres lost their 4-0 lead, take a 6-4 lead, if the Phillies come back, game over. That's why that's I why don't have Mania in there. I thought it was okay to have him in there until he gave okay. up the first runner. And and once he and so that's where he got the my first problem guy. with that is that lineup and who's coming up after he lets that runner on. Yeah, I think you're you know look that's a bullpen's job is to come in with runners on and, and and get it you know guys out they do it but I liked the idea of Pierce Johnson who hasn't pitched a lot you know coming in Luis Garcia who's been 
you know, either really good or kind of volatile uh, coming in with a clean. Either way, and I think that virtually everyone, and I will look forward to talking to Bob Melvin uh, in the future about like kind of as he has reassessed it, what does he think? And that is, listen, you're talking to two guys, probably Jay, you're a little more willing to, to get into this. Me, who's probably there on the ground a little bit more and and knows that, listen, what happens when you're on the ground is you realize all that you, you find out a lot of things behind the curtain and you realize all the things you don't know. Okay. Right. And so I am reluctant as could ever, as anyone could ever be to second guess bullpen moves. I think this one is is out there for all of us, just as game five will be um, yeah. uh, in a minute here. But I, I do think that that was a pivotal moment in the series. Yeah. And I, and I do think that as we've talked through the years and I, and I think that, that I have become more, listen to you more about, you know, look, we don't know everything about what's, what's behind the scenes. And so we do need to be careful. Uh, and I've tried to do this, you know, on, on Twitter as well, when people are, you know, being critical right off the bat, that sometimes there's reasons for it that we don't know about. Guys can't, can't go that long. Guys can't do this. Guys can't do that. In that particular moment, I, I just don't see any reason why Manea, why Manea had to be out there for more after he gave up a base runner, or as you said, even maybe because even it's the postseason, the right? End. Like we, because we can throw yeah, if, everything out. Of course, of course. If that's the regular season, it's not a big it's not a big thing. You're trying to save arms, uh, you know, etc. But in this case, that was terrible. Now, so this? now the game. Go I ahead. will defend Bob in the middle of the season a lot, or any manager really, but Bob in particular, uh, given you know his track record and and the way that he explains things and uh, the team that he has. Like, you know, his offense didn't score at all and didn't really even challenge. I know they did on paper, but, like, they were out of that game. Uh, and But it doesn't matter. You can't manage like that. Like, Rob Thompson got lucky a few times. Yeah. He made bold moves, but also Bryce Harper, Reese Hoskins. Like, yeah. you know, no, they, they, they But that doesn't matter. Bob and, Melvin and has I, to manage as if we're going to win this game. And, and I think – and I don't blame Melvin at all later in that game when it was 9-6. And we'll get to do this real quick because I want to get to game five. But it was 9-6. Padres had 9-1-2 in the seventh inning. And I thought, okay, if they do something here and get back in the game, now you can use the – you can go to Suarez. You can go to Hayter. Guys like that. Once they were done at nine at nine six, there I didn't have a big problem saving those guys. And it, in you know, they I think yeah. Real Muto, you know, homered off Stephen Wilson. That was, it, I was fine using Stephen Wilson there. I mean, to me, at nine six with only two at bats left, you've gone through the top of the order. The rest of your order is even worse. Um, I, I I thought there there's no sense using those guys at that point. But since you didn't use those guys, it gets us to game five where they were. They were rested, and so now we go to game. We go to game five, and look. I don't think we can say enough about the the job that you Darvish did this year um, for this team. You know, and and I I know is you know if, if somebody from the outside just looked at his numbers, they would go, yeah, he had a pretty good year. He had a phenomenal year. When you when you figure what he was up against and how many times they asked him to go out there, hey, you, we really need seven innings tonight, and and he delivered, and he delivered with seven innings and two runs just about all the time. And he did it again yesterday. Um, he had a, he had a, another great outing, you know, he struggled, he was definitely struggling and, and didn't have a ton of confidence in his fastball. You can tell, but he managed to make it all work. And, you know, they got the miracle two runs in the, uh, in the seventh inning 
three wild pitches like you're going to see that every day. I think it's happened three times in the postseason, three wild pitches in a in an inning. And uh, this was the first time a reliever had done it. One of the other two, by the way, one of them was Rick Ankeel, the poor guy when we all suffered watching him. And the other one was Clayton Kershaw uh, a mm. few years ago. So anyway, now you've got now you've got this three two lead. You've got nine outs to get it to San Diego. And I didn't I, I thought getting Darvish back out there was again not a bad not a bad move. I thought you could steal maybe steal an out or two in that um, based on everything in, that you've said about Darvish. Absolutely. Right. And you know, it didn't work out. And I thought, you know, John Smoltz, I'm critical of Smoltz a lot. A lot of people are critical of him, but he was all over Darvish throwing breaking balls to Bryson Stott. And he kept saying, you can't throw this much spin to Bryson Stott. And Darvish had no confidence in his fastball at that point. So they kept throwing breaking balls and sooner. And of course he wound up whacking one into right field for a double. So that hurts, um, but you can still get out of it. And you've got, and now you've got Suarez who comes in and he does get out of it. You know, he gets out of that inning. He got, he got Hoskins. Uh, the dangerous hitter. So now you go to the eighth. And again, I have no problem putting Suarez out there for the eighth. I Amen. mean, he, that's, that's his, that's his inning. And I don't know, you can, I'll let you start from here, from, from this point then. Well, I, I thought you were going to take this all the way through, but uh, I can, I can, I mean, real Muto leads off with a hit. Cause that's what real Muto does a lot of. Once you get to that point, I know there's six outs to go. I know Suarez has been great. You traded for Josh Hader. He's the best left-handed reliever in baseball. He may when he's on, he might be the best reliever in baseball. He struck out eight batters in a row in the postseason. Bryce Harper's coming up, who is right now everything that Bryce Har- that Bryce Harper is. I mean, this is what Bryce Harper, this is not like slumping Bryce Harper. This is, oh my God, this guy might be the best player in baseball, Bryce Harper, and really the best player in baseball, not the guy that a certain team traded for from Washington. This guy is on fire right now. Josh Hader has to pitch to him. I don't care what point in the game it is. You can make it up later. If Hader can't go six outs, you can go back to, you can go to Garcia, you can go to Pierce Johnson. That's what I'm talking about when I said, if you had everything on the table, but you didn't pick up enough of it. This is like one of those times where you go, hey, everything's on the table, including Josh Hader pitching in the seventh, if that's the time, and the sixth, if that's the time, if the, you know, whatever. This was uh, the eighth. He would have had to get six outs for a save. He wasn't going to do that. So what? You just yeah. got out of this. That's that's your your intent when he comes in. And you try to get him, you try to get one out in the ninth. And then Luis Garcia, who's a heck of a pitcher yeah. and has done well in, in this series, is facing the bottom of the order. That's this is not even like a this is like a no brainer. Did Josh Hader get up too late? I mean, because they, I mean, what? Well, they got guys up too late all year long. I t- we talked about that before, where I would look yeah. out in the games I was there. I would look out in the bullpen, and a starter might be sort of on teetering on the edge going into the sixth or seventh, and and I always thought, wow, it's weird they don't have somebody up, and then he'd give up a hit, and somebody would rush to would rush to get up, but in that point. How do you not have Josh Hader up? He's sec- he or because Bryce Harper is due up second, and he's Bryce Harper. So I'll say this I, is a. I'll say this. One of the things um, from last year was that guys were up too much. They felt like yeah. they were. That was a part of. Not only were they in games all the time, they were sure. throwing too much. One thing they appreciated about Ruben Diablo, Bob Melvin, uh, was that. But yes, I do believe, and and Bob said, and I can't remember exactly specifically what the. I don't think Hater was ready at that point. Do you pitch yeah, around he, Harper? Yeah. I don't think so. Uh, you still have five, six, seven coming up, and now you put runner in scoring position. But 
Um, yeah, Josh I don't know. Anderson I'd still, in. I'd still There's pitch a reason around. You got him. Sorry, I'd still pitch around Harper before I let Harper beat me, and then I take my but chances. With first the other, home run the other off of a left-handed bat. Uh, I'm from a left-handed batter. I know. Suarez. I know. It, it all. The rationale for Suarez is there, like you said. He hasn't given up a homer to lefty. He's pitched great for months and months and months. But he's not Josh Hader. And you're and, telling me before pitching to him, you would pitch around him and then bring in Hader, or no? Would have no. I would have brought in Hader. If no, you're not no, but him. I mean, like, like. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, but you would pitch not, around him if Hader's and, not ready. How about throwing the first a couple times? I don't know. Yeah, like, I mean, you can. There, there are ways to stall. We've seen it all the time. It's not that hard to buy a couple minutes with a mound visit. The Dodgers a, tried to do that the other night, and the pitcher missed the sign. Yeah, right. Uh, but you have a mound visit. You have a couple throws to first, whatever it is. Yeah. I, I'm saying. If you if you're dead against bringing in Hader in that situation, which I don't agree with, at least you can't have Suarez pitching like he did to to Harper and giving him something to hit. And he and look, he made a mistake. I mean, I'm sure that wasn't where he wanted the pitch. But Harper, you just can't. I don't know. You just can't mess with Harper in that situation. Take your chances. But to me, the move and I and I didn't jump on this right at the time because my mind was moving in a million directions because I'm doing different things while I'm watching the game and I didn't jump on right my first thought was well can he get six outs and then I thought wait a minute because other people are like he didn't have to get six outs and they're right because there's other people that could have gotten two or three outs after that but the bottom line is you know this was this was this was having you know this was having Needon fewer pitch to Jack Clark this was having this was having uh Zach Britton stay in the bullpen in Baltimore a couple a few years ago when Buck Showalter never used him it, to me it reminded me of that here you have the best pitcher on your team the other team's best hitter is up and you don't bring him in and Josh Hader never pitched in Philadelphia over the weekend and the Padres went 0 3 and their season's over Sometimes I wonder, and there's many times that uh, Bob Melvin's taken the bullet. You know, I don't know. Did he take the bullet on 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 this? Did did he want Hater up earlier? I, I don't know. I'm just telling you, like it it, it is. Yeah. That was one to me that was um, that was a little inexplicable. Like where I'm, I'm always in defense of, or if not in defense, I'm not willing to go as far as many people on criticizing bullpen decisions. Sure. This one was sure. a. This one was a big deal. Um, was Bob Melvin yeah, I mean, was Bob Melvin taking the bullet for Trent Grisham yesterday on the bunt? Because to me, the bunt was one of the more inexplicable things I've seen in 2022. Yeah, I mean, I think we, we can talk about that as the last thing. And there was a there were people who thought that he was taking the bullet. I don't look. The only way to know that is did he actually? He said he talked to Grisham before the at bat. Did he? Did he not? We don't we don't know. I'm sure somewhere there's a camera that might tell us. Well, I don't uh, think he's he lying. I we just don't, we wonder, don't know what they talked about. Yeah, yeah. but look, I, I don't know. To me, Grisham can't even. You can't have Grisham hit there. That's it's what we've talked about before. You say you don't have a conversation where you go, okay, yeah, if you see it, you know, yeah, sure. Yeah. You say do not bunt. Well, and Grish, and the problem with Grisham is, and and Melvin has talked about this, and whether he believes it or not, is there's this belief that Trent Grisham is an elite bunter. You know, I he used to, to be a pretty good hitter too. Yeah, right. And, and I'm sorry to be you know caustic about it, but. No, I don't think Not he lately. is an elite bunter. I don't Not think lately. he is an elite bunter. I haven't seen it for for a long time. All those times he tried to bunt with two strikes this year, I don't. There weren't. It wasn't like he got twelve hits doing that. I think Trent Brush Grisham thinks he's an elite bunter, and I think the Padres like 
think, yeah, yeah, Trent's had some good bunts. Early in the year, Trent Grisham was a really good bunter. But in that situation, on any, on a wet field, trying to put yes. the ball in the right spot. All look, either Grisham, here or there, right. If Grisham can't hit at that point, which he clearly can't, then either he's either got to swing away and hope he runs into one like he did earlier in the playoffs, or Jorge Alfaro has got to get off the bench and come up and hit. I don't care if he hasn't hit in three weeks or three months. He's still better than Trent Christian was over the last part of this. We did not want to take this to 30 minutes. We will talk about it on Wednesday. (laughs) You have brought up a, yes, roster construction. Should Nabil Chrismat have been on there instead of Shamanaya? Should, uh, you know, how far back do we go in blaming the roster construction? By the time you got to the postseason, you were stuck with, a catcher the front office didn't like. A catcher the manager wasn't willing to put in. Um, Brandon Dixon was your other option, uh, yeah. and and I don't think you put I, I I don't think you put Alfaro in there. I think you start Alfaro on Saturday night. I don't okay. think you put Alfaro in there in that situation when he hasn't batted for a month. So so if he started Saturday night, he would have hit for a month, and then right. You prepare yeah. him to do that, and then exactly. I don't think with all the talk. That that it's not that they were never going to start Alfaro, but it's just they were never going to start Alfaro. Uh, he was just <laughs> along for the ride, sort of. Uh, yeah. You know, Jose Azokar was the only guy on the bench that they really ever had any intention of using. So right, and they used him as a runner, which was smart because they got a run out of it. Josh Bell doesn't score probably on that's the. Why, that's uh, why he's there on the wild pitch. So that was yeah. that that worked out. You can argue that Azokar could have hit in that inning instead of Myers, but I I don't know. Anyway, we'll come back. We'll have to come back. That's the wrap up of the NL. CS will come back probably on Wednesday and uh, we'll talk about the, the season in general, but more sort of looking forward. Kevin's going to write today about the uh, some of the questions facing this team going into the offseason. By the way, Fernando Tatis, for those who missed it, his suspension is down to 20 games now at the uh, start of the season. He can return on April 20th. That's about as good for, as you could have hoped. 4, 420 for those who have pointed it out to me, just in time for them to go on a long road trip. So that's that's a note there. And uh, I don't know. Otherwise, Kevin will come back and do this one more time, right? Right on. I look forward to it. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody.